Hey, what's up? This podcast is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank at mslandbank.com. And today, a special shout out and a what's up and a way to go to uh, Jessica Smith, a member of the Mississippi Land Bank team who just graduated from Mississippi State University this past week. And I saw, yeah, who's up? At a girl. Saw your pictures, Jessica. Um, in the graduation photos, and I think it was on Instagram. But anyway, proud for you. Way to go. I know it's been a uh, a busy time, but it's uh, very rewarding for you. So hats off to Jessica Smith, Mississippi Land Bank graduate. Also, this show is brought to you by Jubilations Cheesecake. And I, Brett, I just got off the phone with George over at Jubilations. My man, George. My man, George. And George gave me the details of how we here on the Dogpile Podcast, Brett, are going to get to give away not just one, but several free cheesecakes to lucky listeners of Dogpile. And if you're listening and you want to win a cheesecake, any flavor you want to choose from there, uh, we're going to have details for you later in the week on how to win. And it'll be easy. You'll either be able to go by and pick it up, or you can have it delivered to you. Here are the flavors, Brett, of the the various flavors of cheesecake at Jubilations. You've got Oreo, Mississippi Mm. Mud, uh, Simply Supreme. I went with Oreo first, since that's your favorite. Um, Southern Caramel Praline Cheesecake. That sounds fantastic. Doesn't it? Southern Caramel Praline. I saw them making some of those, by the way. Um, They had about 50. I was doing a video production shoot for them for the Genuine Mississippi Project and the folks at Eat Y'all. And George and the folks there, they were topping these Southern Caramel Praline Cheesecakes. It was really great. All right, red red velvet cheesecake, strawberry shortcake, strawberry wave. That would, I'm sure, be my daughter's favorite. Turtle, chocolate marble. Uh, white chocolate, simply chocolate, and key lime. Those are the flavors that you'll have to choose from, and we're going to give away cheesecakes from Jubilations beginning later in the week. Brett Hudson, morning to you. What's up? Howdy, y'all. Welcome <laughs> back from from Texas. For those of you that made the trip to the Lone Star State, and you got uh, you got a pretty good treat out of out of the Bulldogs, and really all three games were were a lot of fun. So you got a, you got a treat from from both teams, but the Bulldogs were were nice to you. And won that series. They won four to nothing. Then had to play a seven inning doubleheader on Saturday. Lost one to nothing and won the rubber match four to three. Um, and of of many thoughts on the weekend, of which you can get a few on full count. This week's uh, full count just posted it before we started recording on a Monday morning. You can go to mattwyattmedia.com, find the Hudson Report blog, and and check that out. Or just follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. I put it out there this morning. Um, but among the other thoughts that I had from the weekend that didn't make that was Peyton Plumley. That boy loves him a rubber match, does he not? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And what a luxury. Well, it's it's even more than a luxury. That's not even the right word. What a blessing it is when you're a team that's kind of loaded the way state is. You know, you're scoring runs pretty consistently. I know if you struggled this weekend, the way you pitch it in the one and two spot Fridays and Saturdays, and then what a blessing all of a sudden. Here comes along Peyton Plumley, 
And during what is – we're going to look back when State's hosting in the postseason and go, this was a critical stretch yep. after the Arkansas series, a critical stretch. And we're going to look back and go, Peyton Plumley came to life and just became shut down when the team absolutely had to have a third shutdown guy. I, I agree. He's he's a big part of this. There's there's no doubt. He was huge in that uh, Georgia game, uh, that Sunday Georgia game that helped State sweep that ser- sweep that series. And then he he gets the ball in a rubber match again, and he delivers. And this was one of the things that that I tweeted uh, right after the the final game was this was big for that top eight chase because I think. Yep. With this resume, we're so late in this season at this point that State is almost guaranteed hosting that regional. I, I kind of go by the Matt Norlander um, of CBS Sports College Basketball. I go by his definition of lock in that if you were to lose every game you play from here on out and still be what you're talking about, then that is the definition of a lock. So let's would, would you say that State could lose every game from here on out and still host a regional. Um, lose. It'd probably be close. It, it would be close, but they would still be in that conversation. Yeah. So they're not quite a regional lock, but we also know that they're not going to lose every single game. Right. They have from here on out. That's incredibly unlikely, especially with two midweeks and a weekend series against South Carolina uh, coming up. But the point of all of that is. Is while they're not technically speaking by this definition, they're not technically a lock to host a regional. We're not talking about hosting a regional with this team. We're talking about hosting a super regional right. with this team. We're talking about being a top eight national seed. And a series like this one could honestly be the difference because those teams, a series like this can be the difference between number six and number 11. That's what that's what makes the difference. These kinds of series are what boost your RPI. These are the series that help you reach that 18th, 19th, 20th SEC win. These are the series that are often the determining factors in in that general race. And for State to come out of it with two wins uh, and here with what eight games in the regular season left. I mean, I I, I can't. I can't really overstate the importance of winning that series at Texas A&M because some rankings came out earlier this morning, both from Baseball America and from D1 Baseball. And State's state's number five in both of them. I didn't actually bother to look at where Texas A&M ended up, but I'm I'm pulling up those rankings right now. Uh, So in Baseball America, Texas A&M fell to, let's see, uh, 19th. And it D1 baseball, Texas A&M, fell to 17th. So even after taking a series L at home, mm-hmm. that's still a top 20 team that Mississippi State just went to and took two out of three in a road series. That's that's this kind of quality when the, I, I guess, the resume building wins that can and will make the difference when it comes to arguing Mississippi State as a top eight team over a top 16 team. Here's how I would frame this home versus away versus neutral site stuff for the RPI. If you're an outside the bubble team, um, if you're right, you know, on the get in the tournament type of team, 
it, it means a lot to you there. And the other thing is we're paying attention closely to this home versus uh, road win versus home loss versus neutral site loss. We're paying attention to that too because you're right on the edge of national seed. But outside of that, if you're like – if you're squarely going to be a host, but you've got no chance to be a national seed, don't even pay attention to this stuff. But we're looking at these details, Brett, because it could be the difference between being in a top eight seed or not, which, you know, we know how that, that plays out. And I just think state has put itself in a position right now where, yeah, you want to win the series at Ole Miss, but they don't have to, they just have to pick up one game in Oxford, not get swept there. And then take care of business against South Carolina, and if they do, they will be a national seed. I think that's well within reason, and it it all goes back to that benchmark of eighteen and twelve that that I've set for this team for basically the entire season. You take one in Oxford, you take two at home against South Carolina. There's your three wins. That gets you from fifteen and nine to eighteen and twelve. There's yeah. your. There's your three wins, and frankly, they, they are in a pretty good situation because, I mean, we all we already know Jake Mangum never loses to Ole Miss. That basically never happens, so who's to say you can't take two in Oxford? And then South Carolina is near the bottom of the SEC right now. A sweep is not out of the question right. there. So you've, you've kind of given yourself a path of least resistance to at least 18 to the point that it's not out of the question to flirt with 19 or 20. Right, SEC wins, and if if I mean eighteen should be good enough, but mm-hmm. if nineteen SEC wins without a single loss in the midweek, if they do beat uh, Memphis and Louisiana Tech, if nineteen wins and a perfect midweek record ain't enough to to get you a a top eight seed, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. What um. You know, we've we've talked so much recently too about Plumlee and what he has added to this team, and mm-hmm. how how important. I mean, his outing against uh, Ole Miss in the Governor's Cup, which is going to go in there as a neutral site versus high RPI, then yep. followed it up what he did against Georgia. Now you look what he do, does against A and M. We've talked so much about him. And all the while, there's JT Ginn kind of sandwiched in the middle and not getting run support. <laughs> you know, <laughs> poor kid. He pissed Seriously. his he pissed his tail off in game two of this series at A and M, and and you lose a game one zip. And I guess that's that's baseball. Is that what that is? I mean, clearly. I mean, how many times are you going to have a whip of zero point eight three three in a start and be the losing pitcher? Yeah. <laughs> how many it's times just, is that going to happen to you? Oh man, did you see Jake Mangum's tweet? When the weekend was up. Oh, that was amazing. Wasn't that great? Wasn't Quality that great? troll job from from Jake Mangum. He, it, I, I put it out there. Uh, I quote tweeted it. You can find it if you want. But the the gist of it was shout out to the Texas A and M students for cheering on our pitchers all weekend long. That was just that was just as good as it gets. That uh, Twitter is Twitter dot com is free. Yeah. That is one of those moments where you marvel at the fact that Twitter.com was a free website and yeah. we get this amount of uh, of entertainment from it. That was fantastic. Here's here's a thought I had on the weekend that I wanted to run by you, and I put this in full count this morning. I think it it's going to prove significant that State basically did not use its bullpen 
this week. As I as I put in the post, state bullpen pitchers threw 33 pitches this weekend. All of them were thrown by Jared Lebel. So for all in- <laughs> and there was no midweek game crazy. before this series. So for all intents and purposes, your entire bullpen got an entire week off going into the closing stretch of a season. I think it's going to help this bullpen. I think they're they're going to have some fresh arms. They're going to be some of the most fresh bullpen arms you're yeah. going to find in the SEC and potentially in the nation right now because it's just so rare that your entire bullpen gets an entire week off at this point. You just get to recover your arms for a week, and they might have some extra juice in them through the regional, maybe even through the the super regional. That's how that's how I'm looking at that. What do you think? You know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't disagree one bit. And, you know, the thing about it is, to me, like, I, I almost kind of checked out, Brett, when you were talking right then, when you said they threw 30-something pitches out of the bullpen, they're all thrown by Jared Lebel. And I'm going, is this a series or a game we're talking about here? We're talking about – I know, right? And I know that it's shortened, okay, by four innings total. I, I yeah. get it, and that makes a difference. But holy cow. You're on the ro- at this time of year, you're on the road and considering what's you know the position you're in and what's potentially at stake in all this and the entire bullpen sits down there and picks its nose the whole weekend. Not one guy outside of Lee Belt makes it on the mound. I I can't even It's just hard to wrap your head around it. Well, and it just speaks to how good your starting pitching was. Yes. And yeah, but it's just um, – it is a great spot for them to be in. All right, and help me out on the schedule too because we're looking at, what, one midweek game here and then one that's been added later? Is yeah, that- so that that news – I don't know if we were able to hit on that on, on the last pod because of the, the timing. So <clears throat> uh, many of you will remember uh, that they were supposed to play three games and what was it, Frisco – um, back in the first weekend of March, but they ended up only playing two because it was a frozen tundra right. in in Central Texas that, that weekend. So they played Sam Houston State and Texas Tech. They had a Sunday game against Nebraska canceled. And they said all year they were going to try to get an additional game to to fill out their, their yeah. 56. Um, and honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about it because it had been so long and it didn't happen. I figured that it... Wouldn't happen, but then they schedule Louisiana Tech. So their schedule from here on out is a Wednesday game against Memphis before the Ole Miss series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then a Tuesday game against Louisiana Tech. That game is at home. The time is yet to be released according to the schedule I'm looking at right now. And then a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series against South Carolina to end the season before they go into Hoover in the SEC tournament. And a a lot of factors here played in, in Mississippi State's Favor. Unfortunately, the biggest one is that horrific tornado that hit Ruston, Louisiana, right. uh, a week or two ago. At this point, I mean it it wreaked havoc on their athletic athletic facilities. Uh, a lot of their athletics facilities are, for all intents and purposes, destroyed mm-hmm. uh, in, in Ruston. So Louisiana Tech obviously needs the help, and and Mississippi State was there, and they got a game out of it. And uh, best I can tell from the. Uh, from the release of when they announced this game, there's going to be, I can't remember if it's Red Cross or Salvation Army or, or something. The point is they're going to, there's going to be 
uh, ways for people to donate to the cause to help people in, in Ruston, Louisiana, overcome the, uh, the tornado um, that, that hit them. I'm, I'm going to try and pull up the release right now to see what okay. the uh, organization is to give it its, its fair credit. Okay. Uh, the Salvation Army. Uh, so this is a quote from the uh, from the release Mississippi State put out. The Salvation Army will be on site accepting monetary donations to support Ruston, Louisiana, and Louisiana Tech University's campus to aid in recovery from the recent tornadoes that touched down in the area. Checks can be made payable to the Salvation Army. Um, so the Salvation Army will be there. So I, as, as I put out on Twitter, I encourage everybody to not only make it to that game on May 14th, a Tuesday, but also... Uh, bring something for the Salvation Army and, and help the people in, in Ruston, Louisiana, good people down there. Yeah. Um, so that's how that came about. That gets Mississippi State back to the, the 56 regular season games that that it is allowed. And it's, it's of course, a, a good opportunity for State to add another win in this top eight hunt that they're in. Get a, get a midweek game in here. And Louisiana Tech, uh, they're usually a solid program. They've been to regionals. Recently, I'm uh, I'm pulling up their schedule right now to see how they're doing uh, this season. But it's it's a program that has a pretty consistent uh, access to talent. They're 29 and 19 overall, 13 and 11 in Conference USA. So once again, a pretty respectable Louisiana Tech squad coming to coming to Mississippi State for that last minute midweek game, and it's a opportunity for people to help out. That's it. There you go. That's good. Well, um, you know, Brett, uh, let's let's talk real quick about Ethan Small. And why not? Why not? And what he did, the moment where he flexes on the opposing dugout, you know, inject that moment straight into my veins. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, and I, I ran into someone uh, in town this weekend who who knows Ethan pretty well and he kind of echoed my sentiments on it which was that's pretty uncommon uh-huh. for for Ethan like when we see Ethan in media settings and and best I can tell he's this way pretty much everywhere he's kind of a laid back casual kind of guy i mean he he likes cracking jokes he doesn't take himself or really most things too seriously he right. just likes to have fun and enjoy life and enjoy baseball he's not the the bro basically he's not the bro out there screaming at people trying to yeah trying to start up some fisticuffs that's not who Ethan Small is so for him to do something like that to cap seven innings of no hit baseball <laughs> by the way yeah right. it was just amazing it was awesome and I I hate that his pitch count was already at a hundred and eight after those seven innings, because if that was maybe 20 pitches lower, uh-huh. uh, who knows, man, maybe they, maybe they try to give him uh, a mm-hmm. shot at the complete game. No hitter, the true, no hitter. Um, but all, all, nonetheless, it was, it was a joy to watch him pitch that, that game on, on regular rest. Thanks to the, thanks right. to weather hurting that, that Thursday game. And, and clearly it paid off because the, the regular rest schedule did him good. In, in that start and for him to show that energy and enthusiasm not only was it fun to see because it's atypical yeah. for Ethan but I think that kind of thing can really get a team going can really fire a team up because I, I, we've mentioned it on the podcast before 
uh, almost everybody on a baseball team looks to their best starting pitcher to start things. They, they know that that guy can give them a great chance to win, arguably better than anybody else on their roster. So when he is also the, I, I guess, the impetus for the juice, the impetus for a fiery attitude yeah. at times, that, really, that can really pull a heck of a trick on, on a baseball team. And I wonder if uh, inspired effort in that Saturday doubleheader goes back to Ethan Small uh, juicing those guys up one time that yeah. Friday night. Yeah, it could be. You know, I mean, it definitely could. And the whole thing ties together. You know, the the comment we mentioned from Jake that he puts on Twitter after the series says, hey, shout out to the Texas A&M student section for cheering on our pitchers all weekend. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't there, but it's my understanding. I think I heard a little bit of it on the broadcast, too. But my understanding that they were – the students for A&M constantly just – chanting the name of the opposing pitcher, right? Like it's just this constant Ethan and JT on Saturday and stuff, and it's just constantly riding them. And then for Ethan Small, it's kind of that sort of thing where they're individually trying to ride you, where then the other team, as I as I understood it, A&M was – claiming to the umpire and their third base coach claiming to the umpire that Ethan Small balked when, in fact, he didn't. It didn't get called, and and Small felt really strongly that he didn't. And video would show you <laughs> that he didn't. And just all that stuff combined where then he gets the strikeout, and it's like, I'm going to flex on you in front of God and everybody and come get some. Come on out here. And, you know, it's like Ethan Small saying to him, this is how strongly I feel that I'm going to continue to dominate you. And I just want to remind you of that as I head on over here to the dugout after I just struck another one of your boys out. And so on that note, that's what I want to say is, you know, I understand that fans in the outfield at Mississippi state, a lot of times will pick on the guy that's in front of them. You know, the guy, the poor right fielder who, uh, you know, or the left fielder, he's got his name in his jersey. They know stuff, you know, and the fans individually start carrying on with that one player. But just always be aware that it can backfire on you. There are some guys who use that in a big way to their advantage, you know, and just keep that in mind. Sometimes it goes, sometimes it backfires on you when you decide that you're going to make it personal. Individual. It does, but what's different about Mississippi State is after they ride you for nine innings, they'll probably feed you. Yeah, exactly. After the fact. Right. So, <laughs> so you got that going for you. They they may uh they they may hate on you for a couple hours, but you'll probably get a sausage dog out of it. So that's a that's a fair <laughs> trade, right? That's right. And anything that they experienced at Texas A and M this weekend is just a precursor. It's just a warm up for what they're gonna experience this coming weekend in Oxford. Ooh, buddy. Yeah, that's uh, that's going that's going to be a fun one. They've got they've got that midweek against Memphis. We mentioned it's on Wednesday, six thirty, SEC Network Plus before Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, in Oxford. We'll get to all that when we podcast again on Thursday. One more note for me on the weekend that that was was Justin Foscue. I mean, I, I wrote about him. In full count, again, you can check that out on the Matt, My- Matt Wyatt Media face- uh, website and the Facebook page, too. But he had he had a huge hit, uh, two hits in that 
Friday night game against Texas A&M, but two, uh, that one big double in, in that game, he continues to, to hit for power. And then he had uh, two hits and two RBIs in the rubber match. That, that second Saturday game that State won four to three. He's, I don't know that I've ever seen a five hole hitter have this much influence on the success or lack thereof of the lineup as a whole. But that's what Foskey does when, and I think we've pointed this out before, but when you have on base percentages, so the usual lineup is Mangum, Westberg, Allen, McNamee, Foskey. So when you have on base percentages of 451, 429, 388 and 425 in front of you. Yeah. You're going to constantly have RBI opportunities and Foscu hitting 342 slugging 623 has taken advantage of almost every single one of those. He's got 51 RBI. Yeah. This year he is he is truly I, I don't know how to best describe this. Maybe you can help me. I don't want to call him like the the turning point or, or, or the linchpin of the lineup. But I, I think you get what I'm trying to yeah, say in that as a five-hole hitter, Foscu is infinitely more crucial to this lineup's success than most five-hole hitters. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, and, you know, Jake's on base constantly. Um, and people are talking about, you know, Westberg, he's scuffling just a, a little bit here lately. But, I mean, the last two weekends they're facing – two of the best pitching staffs in the country, you know? I mean, come on. And I know Georgia was without Emerson, but but Westberg, right, hitting in front of him up there in the two spot, three spot, wherever it is they've had him throughout the year. Mm-hmm. He's a constant on base. You quoted the on base percentage. You know, um, you look at the 17 doubles this year for Foscu. well, that ties Mangum and Westberg for the most on the team. Okay, mm-hmm. Tanner Allen in front of Foscu has 15 doubles this year. So, yeah, I you know, everything you point to it it just shows you that it's it's a team game. You, you know, as much or more any other sport because you know, all the runs that he's driving in, well, all these guys in front of him are getting on base consistently. They're hitting the baseball. And it does start with Mangum. You know, you just got so many more opportunities to get Foscu up there, even in those those two out situations with somebody on base. So, um, and he's coming through. That, that's what you. That's what's so I think incredible about um, the year that that Foscu is having is if without even looking up splits, I don't have them in front of me, but I guarantee you, we would go if we were to look at his two strike hitting, we'd go wow. If we were to look at his two-out hitting with runners on base, we'd go, wow, look at that. Because I just know he's been incredible in those situations. And here's the other thing, too, that I think shines a light on just how good of a year Foskey is having. I mentioned the doubles, right? All right, so 17 doubles, ties for the team lead with Mangum and Westberg. Um, Well, he leads the team with those 13 home runs – the guy closest to him would be Skelton with nine. Okay, so he's got a huge lead. He's the he's a long ball hitter. He's got the mm-hmm. highest slugging percentage on the team by far. He only has twenty one strikeouts. I mean, I'm Jeez. I'm looking at this going. I'm I'm going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
this has got to be a misprint, but it's not a misprint. So you compare it to Westberg, who's got 50 strikeouts. All right, look, Jake Mangum, who never, ever, ever strikes out, right? Ever. Mm -hmm. Jake Mangum has 13 strikeouts this year in, in 48 games. Foskey's got 21. That ain't a huge difference. And with all these yeah. – and here's the other stat that shines a light on just how clutch Foskey has been. Think about this. You're sitting here, Brett, making the point about how he's he's always having these RBI opportunities with people on base. All these at-bats with people on base, he's driven in 51 runs. Three times all year long, he's grounded into a double play. Wow. In 199 at-bats, a guy hitting in the five-hole on this team constantly with – Mangum and Westberg on base, or or McNamee or somebody who had a twenty some odd on base game streak, and this guy's only hit into a ground ball double play three times. He's just and, and here's he's another clutch. way to to pers- I, I guess to put into context just how often the guys in front of him put Foskey into uh, RBI opportunities. And I just I just went through this uh, thanks to the game notes. You mentioned earlier Justin Foscue has 13 homers this year, right? Uh-huh. Only six of them have come with no men on base, and three of those six were when he led off an inning. Uh-huh. Thus, it was impossible for him to have anyone yeah. wow. on base. So only three times this year has Justin Foscue hit a homer with no one on base when yeah. it were possible How? to have someone on base. And he's got 13 this year. I was doing some research for full count. Earlier this morning, he's, I mean, he's on pace to potentially be top ten in single season school history in homers if yeah. if state makes a run in Omaha and he continues to hit homers at this current pace, and almost all of them are coming with guys on base or leading off an inning. Yeah, how about that? And you know, you consider too, it's in a year where in the field he's moved from one position to the other. Yeah, You know, it, things have been a little topsy-turvy for him there because of team need. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's um, – he he really is having an incredible year. No question. It's it's fun to watch. You have – I've gotten to the point where I have so much confidence when he comes up there, you know. And yep. even though we're so deep into the year, I still have times where – you know, let's say like Mangum reaches base. I'm trying to think one through four or five, whatever. Mangum gets on base, you know, to lead off an inning. And, you know, Westberg, let's say Westberg strikes out. He leads the team in strikeouts right now, by the way, Westberg does uh, at this point. Let's say he strikes out. You know, uh, Allen goes up there, pops up. Now there's two outs, and now you're down to your four-hole hitter, McNamee. And McNamee walks, Right. As he does often. As he does often. And up comes Foscue with two outs. I, I'm so accustomed a lot of times with two outs, your your four-hole hitter walks, and you think, well, yeah, they're fixing to kill this rally. No. And then you get this shot of re- adrenaline reminder, uh, holy cow, Foscue's coming up in the five-hole. <laughs> and it, it's just because, frankly, you got you have more confidence – with Foscue up there with runners on base and you do anybody else on the team. And so, yeah, the year he's having is huge, just huge. 
it makes the lineup as as deep as Mississippi State has seen in a long, long time. And and they get to take that thing to Oxford this weekend after a Wednesday midweek game against Memphis. Again, Wednesday, 630 SEC Network Plus as it stands right now. I haven't looked at the the weather forecast, so if something's in the uh in the offing and I don't know about it, I, I apologize. Uh you got anything else before we pause until that uh Thursday Ole Miss preview? Nope, I, I don't. Um, just you know, looking ahead of the weekend is going to be fun. Previewing that series will be full on into it by um, and, and ready to get into it by Thursday. This was just a good weekend for State. It's exactly what they needed, and you know, really close to getting a sweep on the road. However, you, however that comes about, it shows that you're playing well. Yep, and I'll I'll be in Oxford for all three of those games, so I'll have I'll have plenty from from the weekend in Oxford. And by the way, we were talking about uh, the cheesecake giveaway earlier. If you have an idea for a contest we can run yeah. to uh, to give away that cheesecake, hit me up. Here's here's an idea I just had, Matt. And obviously we wouldn't be able to do this until the end of the season, but that would, that would be okay. What if we had people guess Jake's career hit total at the end of the season? Closest to it gets the cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Well, we can definitely do that. We can go ahead and throw that out there right now. Um, and I, I see what what's fun about that is you have to not only guess how he's going to hit for the rest of the year, but also how long. How long? Yeah, they're they're going to hit because if you're if you're going to be the ultra pessimist and say they get bounced in a regional, you could you could put out your career hit total guess at like three seventy five or three eighty mm. or something, and probably win that cheesecake. But of course, if they get to a super and to Omaha, you're uh, you're throwing yourself out there. The train is already making its uh, yeah. Check it out. Projection. I see. Yeah, you hear um, that? <laughs> but then vice versa. It's and that was just one idea I had. Make people guess Jake Mangum's career hit total. And if you've uh, if you've got others, let us know. Well, we're open to suggestions here. Yeah, let us know if you're listening. You can tweet Brett. He's Brett underscore Hudson. You can tweet me. I'm Radio Wyatt. Uh, I'm trying to think of email. Um, you, you, if you want an email address, if you'd like to get a little more wordy, which is totally fine, just email the Matt Wyatt podcast at gmail.com and um, you know, let us know your ideas that way. And then uh, by Thursday, we'll give you some details. We'll go ahead and do the first giveaway. You'll be able to win a cheesecake from Jubilations. Uh, go back to the beginning. I gave you all the flavors at the beginning of the podcast. And also, one more time, another shout-out to uh, the folks at Mississippi Land Bank for always supporting us here on the Dogpile. And uh, y'all hit them up. If you're in the need for land for any reason at all and in North Mississippi, um, you look them up there. Find the branch office nearest you, who to call, the kind of folks you're going to like at Mississippi Land Bank. Brett, boy. see you on Thursday. All right. He's Brett Hudson. I'm Matt Wyatt. We'll see you on the next Dogpile. See you.